gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week's NFL and college football cards as we near the halfway point in the 2018 NFL football season. And we also near the month of November in the world of college football. And Victor, I can't believe it as I'm saying that halfway point of the NFL season heading to November in college football. I guess they say time flies when you're having fun. We're heading into the busiest season in terms of sports betting when we get into November and the fact that we have this huge crossover of all four sports playing at the same time, not to mention the NBA is back, uh, the NHL is back. We're getting into a hectic time. I hope you stocked up on your candy and we'll have to check to see that, uh, make sure that Andy got all of his candy for the upcoming Halloween holiday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Halloween is coming, and we've usually seen in the past, now I don't know if it's just because it's Halloween or whatnot, but the final week of October usually lends to quite a few surprises in the world of football, especially college football. So we'll see whether or not that is the case this weekend, whether it's a scary weekend or a predictable weekend. But it was a little bit scary last weekend for some teams around the country, especially the undefeated Ohio State Buckeyes, who went into Purdue last weekend and left with the big loss on their shoulders here. And Victor was, a, like I say, a big game for both you and I as well. You used him as your big five-star college football over total play. It was my college football underdog game of the month play, both in the same game. So while we're both from the state of Ohio and we both love our Buckeyes, uh, we both love the result of the football game. Nonetheless, <laughs> I, I guess I would have preferred maybe an Ohio State win and a Purdue point spread cover, but we'll take what they gave us. You know, as excited as my bankroll is to cash on your game of the month, your underdog game of the month, and the fact that we got ourselves a gift of a 42-point fourth quarter to hit our over of the month as well, it was still difficult to watch, not necessarily just for Buckeyes from the state of Ohio, but a lot of fans as well. It was a difficult thing to watch. You know, never... I never thought I would see the day when an Ohio State quarterback would have 73 passing attempts in a game. I think Woody Hayes just sat up in his grave. <laughs> there are Woody Hayes football teams, Victor, that had 73 passing attempts for a whole season. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let alone in one football game. But, you know, that was the case for the Buckeyes playing from behind largely most of the football game. So I guess, you know, that dictated the offensive flow for Ohio State. But you know something? There's a little bit more going on to Ohio State than just that result, that football score. And I'm saying that because, my goodness, I look inside these numbers. And, you know, Victor, I hand log stats for every football game every week for every team. And I can progressively see which teams are improving on the offensive and defensive side of the football. And there's a glaring, glaring red flag on the Ohio State team page. And that's their total team defense this football season here. It's just been absolutely horrific 
And I know you might be able to attribute some of that to the loss of Nick Bosa, you know, but the bottom line here is this team is allowing 490 yards a game in the last four football games. You just don't see that for football teams that are in the talk for the college football playoffs. Uh, and you don't see it from an Ohio State team coached by Urban Meyer as well either. So if this team has any chance, remote chance of all, of reigniting and winning on out and hoping to steal a bit as a one-loss team, they're going to have to really kick it in defensively. But uh question I'm going to pose to you, Victor, can the Ohio State Buckeyes now with one loss make it back, find their way back to the college football playoffs? I don't think they can, and you can. If you're a body language guy, you look at the head coach on the sideline. Urban Meyer is not himself. He does not look well during the games. I don't know whether it's stress related or dread or something else, but he appears to be steeped in misery more than ever. I know he usually has that type of scowl on his face anyway, and did when he was down here in Florida as well. But in the rare instances of Meyer defeats, his teams don't just lose. They unravel. There was that uh, Baker Mayfield planting the flag at midfield, losing 31-16 to at home to Oklahoma. The loss to Clemson, what, 31-0 to in that college football playoff game, I believe, in 2016. They get the fact that they got routed by 31 points versus Iowa last year, this humiliation from Saturday night, uh, you just wonder if all the August uh, Zach Smith drama has kind of taken an internal toll on him right now. Yeah, you have to wonder exactly that, Victor. I mean, that was a, a traumatic experience that he went through in the offseason. And, you know, being suspended as he was, coming back, saving face uh, for a football program that uh, is obviously a marquee program in the world of college football. And, uh, you know, it's almost like uh, I can relate this to handicapping horse racing because I'm a big horse racing fan. And, you know, the bottom line is when you're looking at horses and you want to make a, a, a play on a horse, you have to make sure that that horse that you're going to be playing is 100% absolutely fit. There can't be anything wrong with that particular horse. He can't be lame. He can't be coming, uh, you know, with fever, with cold. And he has to be 100% fit to beat other fit horses. And the same thing in the world of football. Your team, if you want to be the best and play with the best, it has to be 100% fit on its game. And it's only apparent that Ohio State is not on its game. It's you know relevant in the fact also that they've lost to the spread four times in a row now. They've underachieved in Las Vegas' eyes the last four football games. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they continue to struggle. They may even come up as a home dog against Michigan in the last game of the football season. I think that would be a mistake, but nonetheless – you know, we'll see what happens to them. And my also uh, my other question, you want to run by you, Victor, on the show here is what other one-loss teams in college football, perhaps other than Ohio State, do you think has a chance to make the college football playoffs from this point moving forward? That is a good question. We're down to what five undefeated teams. Uh, I believe we're fortunate to have two of those still in the state of Florida, with Central Florida and South Florida. But yeah, we got to start taking a look right here, right now, at those. One loss teams that could crack the four-team playoff code, if you will. And you just mentioned number one on the list. In two powerful weeks, the Wolverines of Michigan have surged to the front of the Big Ten. Consecutive wins over Wisconsin and Michigan State. But the margins of those wins by a combined 39 points. That's given Michigan something to hang their playoff hat on beyond that one seven-point loss to undefeated Notre Dame, which looks stronger and stronger 
with Notre Dame getting better and better each week as well. If you take a look at the Big 12 Conference, you got two one-loss teams in Texas and Oklahoma. I think both should probably be favored in every remaining game, though there's a couple of trips uh, for Oklahoma going to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech, and then uh, the Longhorns as well that loom a little bit larger than expected. You know, Texas, of course, owns the head-to-head comparison by uh, beating Oklahoma in Big D back on October 13th. But that opening loss to Maryland might still be of a little bit of a problem. But it would be a very interesting uh, um, rematch if both go into that game 11 uh, and 1 overall. And then you also got to think about this uh, mashup that's going on in the SEC conference. We call it the Georgia-Florida-Kentucky matchup, the collection of one-loss SEC East teams. Now, that's going to sort itself out in the next couple of weeks, beginning this week uh, up in Jacksonville with Georgia and Florida. And then, of course, when Georgia visits Kentucky the following week on November 3rd. So that mashup in the SEC, Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma, both two one-loss teams. But right now, you got to take a look at uh, Michigan being in the driver's seat to possibly cracking the top four. I would agree, Victor. I think Michigan is the team right now that everybody's got their eye on as far as one-loss teams are concerned, if for no other reason, just because they're playing the best football of all the one-loss teams as we head into this final week of October. A couple other one-loss teams I think that may fall into consideration might possibly be don't discard Iowa's chances inside the Big Ten Conference here. They could steal the Big Ten West They're playing some really good football right now, especially defensively. Their rush defense is terrific. And if they end up beating out Wisconsin in the Big Ten West and playing for the Big Ten Championship, they could be the one-loss team out of the Big Ten Conference that might be under consideration for a college football playoff spot. Maybe a little bit of a long shot, but keep an eye on Iowa because they can control their own fate that way. I would also throw in to the mix LSU, obviously, from the Southeast Conference. The problem with them is they reside in the uh, in the SEC West, where Alabama is likely going to forge forward, and LSU will be a second-place team, and without having to play in a conference championship game with the one loss, may not get them there. But, uh, hey, you know they're still a deserving football team. I just uh, think that they're worth mentioning. And the third guy that I think is worth mentioning uh, – might be Washington State out of the Pac-12 conference. I know this Pac-12 conference is taking a beating uh, this football season here, but Washington State, to me, is the best team in the Pac-12 conference uh, thus far this season. Now, their only loss was a, a, a skinny little three-point loss at Southern Cal. And uh, if you watched any of that football game, uh, there was a, a targeting penalty that was called or should have been called on Southern Cal at the end of the football game and wasn't. That cost Washington State dearly in the game. In fact, uh, all the uh, the Pac-12 officials, uh, the head honchos, the administrators, went ballistic over the fact that that targeting call was not made in that football game. Uh, that's a one-loss Washington State football team that's playing some really good defense. And they also, Victor, just happen to be one of only six teams in the world of college football these days that has won the yards in every football game they've played. They've won the games in the stats in every contest they've played. So if they get past Stanford this week, keep an eye on Washington State as a possible one-loss team to maybe crash the party, if you will, by the end of the football season. Uh, 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping show. And Victor, with that, let's move over to the National Football League side of things where we're nearing the halfway point in the NFL season here. It'll be next week. We will be at that halfway point. But as we get there, Victor, there's a couple of teams, I think, that are maybe noteworthy about being surprises so far this year in the National Football League. Some teams that have overachieved. Yes, we we can talk about the L.A. Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs being, you know, the two uh most impactful teams in both of the conferences and most likely look like they're headed to the Super Bowl right now if the season were to end today. But uh, your take, Victor, on other surprise teams you've seen so far in the National Football League this 2018 season. Right off the top of my head, uh, take a look at the defending Super Bowl champions and the fact that they are not in first place and basically choked away a big home win last week when Carolina scored 21 fourth-quarter points and beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, your number one team, who would have thought at this point of the season in the NFL, it would be the Washington Redskins at 4-2 and two and doing it on defense. That is a surprising thing. So I would put Washington right up there in, top, in terms of positive, surprising teams in the NFL. If you take a look at the NFC North division, Mark, The fact that what one game separates all four teams, maybe that's not surprising. It is the black and blue division. But the fact that Chicago is right there at three and three, this team had a big time turnaround in terms of the coaching staff and getting players over the offseason. And they're buying what Mike Nagy is selling there, the previous offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. And from what you've seen so far from Chicago in this first half of the season, they're bringing a lot of those chief offensive elements to the Windy City. And and good for them. I really like what I'm seeing out of Chicago. You know they've got the horses on defense already. This is a team that could actually win that division. To me, the most surprising thing in this division is, you know, I just mentioned this is the black and blue division Yet this division, in terms of over-under, is is collectively the best over-division in all of football. The combined record for Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, and Detroit this season is 18-7 and over-under. They're doing it on offense and not so much on defense. We'll talk a little bit about uh, one of those four teams and their inadequacies on defense later on in the show. But that's surprising to me as well, the fact that this black and blue division is now the highest scoring division in football. Yeah, I would not have known that or realized that, but uh, that's usually not what we see out of the NFC North, but it happens to be the way they're playing the game this year. And if I had threw another team into the mix, Victor, about teams that might be a, a little bit of a surprise this football season here, I just have to mention the L.A. Chargers. Uh, this is a football team that I know a lot of people were expecting good things from this football season. And they got out to a little bit of a dismal start. But, boy, they're really coming on and playing some really good football right now as we're speaking. And uh, a more than capable team. They start out one and two, but they've won their last four games in a row. And they're doing it with a little bit of defense here. Uh, two of the last three games, they've held opponents to second low yardage marks. So when the defense comes around, that offense is almost always there for the Chargers. They're in off their bye week when they come back here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do if they can stay in this race with the red-hot Kansas City Chiefs 
they will have a big revenge game against the Chiefs down in the month of December when they open up the season with the home loss to Kansas City. Remember, the Chargers were favored in that game by three and a half points, and they out-yarded Kansas City 179 yards in the game, yet lost the game. So mark that down. When the L.A. Chargers visit Kansas City in mid-December here, that could be a game that there could be a lot on the stake on, on the line there, and there'll be a lot of good handicap to the Chargers if they're still playing some pretty good football at that point of the season. Hey, don't go away, guys. Victor and I are going to come back. We're going to share with you our college football game of the week. We've got a beauty on tap in the Southeast Conference. When we come back with that and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University, located at sportsdata.com. Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new coffee club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow coffee club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the coffee club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time for our college football game of the week. And we've got a beauty on tap in the Southeast Conference in what they used to call the world's, uh, what would they call it, the most famous cocktail party? Is that what it's called, Victor? The, uh, in, they're no longer allowed to use that phrase. It's been a few <laughs> right. years since they've technically used that. But uh, the cocktail party still resumes nonetheless whenever Florida takes on Georgia in college football action. And this, these are two teams, Victor, that we talked about at the onset of the show, a pair of one-loss football teams that could well be involved in the college football playoffs. The winner here will obviously still stay alive. The loser will not. Victor, your take on the Gators and the Bulldogs from an over-under perspective in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Back in Jacksonville, of course, at Everbank Field, 3.30 Eastern kickoff. And you just mentioned it, uh, one lost teams from the SEC. Georgia Open, six and a half. They're around a touchdown favorite right now over underline 52. It is down to 51 and a half. It's come down about a half point. And if you ask me, the Gators... Uh, are a little loosey-goosey. They're already playing this game with house money, if you ask me, in a rivalry game. I know they had their eyes set on making a big step in the SEC East. And, of course, the SEC championship is still on the table. It would need a Kentucky loss, though. But for now, you know, being 6-1 and one, going into the cocktail party against Georgia this season is already a positive for the Florida Gators. In terms of the over-under series, it's been pretty low scoring. I'll mention this. I just mentioned that the over-under line was 51.5, and and this is the highest over-under line in this series over the last nine meetings. 
The previous high was 56 back in 2008. The last seven meetings have gone two overs, five unders. It's been pretty low scoring with an average line of 45.6, average combined point total of 40.0, average game going under by 5.6 points per game. We're pretty neutral in regards to over-under numbers for both teams this season. Florida is 4-3 and over-under, uh, average line 50.6, average score 51. They are 3-2 and over-under in conference play. Georgia 3-4 and over-under on the season. Their average line 57.6, average score 55.2. Their average game has gone under by uh, 2.4. We know that Georgia has had basically a full week to steam off that LSU loss two weeks ago, that 16-point loss, and I know they were shut down on offense in that game, but they have scored 38 or more points in every other game this year. I'm leaning toward the over a little bit. I think the increased over-under line still offers a little bit of value, and I'm doing that for a couple of reasons. The fact that Florida finally has a quarterback. They're a 400-yard offense now this season at 408 yards per game, and that's 72 yards per game better than last year. Significant upgrade for Florida. Not only that, but this was a team that averaged only 22 points on offense last year. This year, 34.4 to Florida. Offensive scoring is up 12.4 points per game. And not only that, Georgia's numbers on offense are also up this year as well. They're up 35 yards per game on offense. They're up 4.0 yards per game, excuse me, points per game on offense. So I certainly think that the jacked up over underline is still a little bit justified. I'm not going to make it a big play. We'll call a lean right now. I see this game finishing somewhere in the 54, 55, 56 point range, somewhere around there. That would put this game over by about three or four points. Whether or not it makes it as an actual King Creole play, that's going to deserve a little bit more study. But we'll call it a lean toward the over right now with the Gators taking on the Bulldogs. Victor's going to lean in this football game, a small lean to the over 51.5 points between the Gators and the Bulldogs in this key classic Southeast Conference College football rivalry game. The Florida Gators, as Victor mentions, comes in here on a major winning run in the football game. They've won and covered each of the last five football games in a row. And as Victor says, they're basically playing with house money. You know, given the fact that uh, they've probably already exceeded expectations of what was expected from last year's team to this year's team. Uh, And we called out in our Playbook Football Preview Guide magazine this year, the Florida Gators are one of these mission teams that we so often like to wrap our arms around, a team that had enjoyed success, successful winning seasons repeatedly and then suffers that rare losing season. They only won four games last year, so they were right at the top of our mission list teams this year, the Florida Gators, and they've really delivered the goods that way. Both teams come into this contest playing with a week of rest in the game, and you think it would maybe be an equal uh, factor for both teams, but I will say this. In this matchup, this rivalry, whenever Florida's had a benefit of a week of rest, they've had it 20 times. They've won 16 of those games, covered the spread 14 times when playing with a week of rest. Florida's also in this series when they have either an equal or better record than the Georgia Bulldogs, 15-4 and four straight up in head-to-head clashes with 
with the dogs in this particular series as well. Georgia comes in here off that bubble burst. Victor mentioned their first loss of the football season here, and that generally takes a toll on football teams at this stage of the season here. Teams that open up 6-0 and or better and take that first loss of the football season when that first loss came as a favorite, as the Georgia Bulldogs were favored in that initial loss, they're just 68 and 96 against the spread, trying to bounce back after that bubble burst type situation here. A really tough role here for the Georgia Bulldogs to do. Yes, they've won 18 of the last 20 regular season games, but sometimes the point spread makes the game. You're talking about a touchdown involved in a rivalry matchup to a good defensive team like Florida, who has this big revenge chip on their shoulder. We also note that in this game here, uh, when a a team comes in here off back-to-back wins and the opponent is not off back-to-back wins inside this matchup, that team is 15-3 and against the spread. That all favors the Florida Gators in this contest here. I'll row the bubble burst dice in this game, and I'll play Florida plus the points for my side in the big world's largest octave outdoor cocktail party game on Saturday. Hey, don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week. And we've got a beauty. It's a replay of last year's NFL playoff matchup between the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. We're going to tear that down for you and also hop out to Las Vegas when we come back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbooks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbooks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbooks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbooks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Card. It's time for our NFL Game of the Week. And could there be a better game, I ask you, than the New Orleans Saints taking on the Minnesota Vikings in a replay of last year's dramatic, miraculous playoff victory by Minnesota over New Orleans. Victor, your take this Sunday between the Saints and the Vikings. Right, Revenge, you got that right. What did they call it? The Minneapolis Miracle last yes. year, the first walk-off touchdown in NFL playoff history, a game that I remember in which we cashed the over because of that walk-off touchdown as well. So definitely an axe to grind for the Saints as they return to the scene of the crime the over-under line, we're somewhere in the 52 to 53-point range. I'm showing the game open at 53. It's come down a full point to 52 as we speak. That's a little bit higher 
than the previous games in the series in which the average over their line was 47. A series that I might add, the Saints and Vikings have gone 8-2-1 and one to the over in their last 10 meetings. Average combined points, though, only 51.2. we got to take a look at these numbers so that they coincide or that we can compare them to the over-under line for this particular game. In fact, in the last eight meetings in Minnesota, the series has gone 7-0-1 over-under. That includes six regular season games, two playoff games, and those games in Minnesota averaged a combined 53.1 points per game. So you would think that the series is telling you to go over in this game. Remember, though, the average line in that series has been 47. This is a full touchdown higher, and we kind of know why the over-under line is a little bit higher than in previous meetings. Number one, it's the fact that Minnesota is one of those teams that we talked about a little bit earlier that is not playing with the same defensive intensity that they did last season. You know, last year they were number two overall defense. They were number two in scoring defense. They allowed only 17.4 points per game in 2017. Here, one year later, and their numbers are up. They're allowing 346 yards per game. That has fallen from number two to number 11 in overall defense. And in scoring defense, they've fallen from number two all the way to number 14. They're allowing 23.6 points per game. They're allowing almost a full touchdown more per game than they did last year. Uh, So you are seeing a Minnesota defense that's not as good as they were last season. And the Saints' defensive numbers are up as well. This is a team that had tremendous improvement on defense last year, allowing only 21.2 points per game. But this season, the Saints have allowed 27.2, another team that's up almost a full touchdown in points allowed per game on defense. Even on offense, they're up a little bit more as well. The Saints were a 28-point team, 28 points per game team last year, and they're up to 34. So I can see why the over-under line has been adjusted. Both teams suffering a little bit on defense. Both teams still clicking on offense. One thing you can't do on these Saints is run the ball effectively. But I don't think that's going to bother Minnesota that much. You know, with Dalvin Cook basically being injured for the entire season, they are throwing the ball a lot more. Where am I going with this? Right now, I'm going toward a no play. We have to factor in that Sunday night games in the NFL this season are now 2-5. and five. Two overs, five unders, 47.0 points per game in the Sunday night matchups. That included last week's game with the Chiefs and the Bengals that did go under the total despite 55 points. The over-under line was about 56. NFC non-division conference games this season are averaging 45.8. That's about touchdown less than the line. If this line were in the range of 46 to 47, like it had been in the previous meetings, then I'd be all over the over. But it's a full six to seven points higher. We're somewhere around 52 to 53 value inaccuracies in the line. These have to be the first two things we look at when betting not just an over-under, but a point spread as well. And right now at the current line of 52 or 53, there's no value on the over. Let's take a look at the line movement. If it comes down a point or two, 
we may consider going over the total mark. I doubt that's going to happen, but right now we're going to pass in this game. Victor calls it a valueless situation as far as the over-under total is concerned in this football game between the Saints and the Vikings on Sunday. You know something, Victor? The same might hold true for the line as well in the football game. We talked about it in the write-up of this game in the Playbook Football Newsletter this week, that there is absolutely no value in this game if you're backing the New Orleans Saints. And there's no value in the game primarily because of the revenge factor in the contest here. Remember, when these two teams went and met in Minnesota last year in this playoff game, Minnesota's a five-point favorite in the football game. As we're speaking to you today on Wednesday, when we do the podcast, this game is pick em. And it opened up Minnesota one and a half and was quickly bet down to pick them here. And I'm not going to be surprised if New Orleans goes off as a small favorite in the football game. So you have to ask yourself, at what point do I push myself away from the table because value has been stripped out of the football game, largely because of the handicap or the perceived handicap in the contest here? Well, as we outlined in the newsletter here, we talked about that the Sharps in Vegas will never do that. I mean, it's all about value, and they will not ever fare away from that. But when you're motivated in a football game, uh, you have to ask yourself, sometimes when there's motivation that's heavy motivation, does that sometimes outweigh value in the contest here? And there could be no bigger, better motivation in this football game you'll find in any game this season than what the New Orleans Saints are bringing into this contest after that miraculous loss uh, that they suffered last year in this football contest here so is it are you going to weigh motivation against the value if so you can move forward with the play on the new orleans saints here i do know this that the saints come into this football game 10 and 1 to the spread after playing an afc football team a perfect 6 and 0 to the spread in these games when they're taking on an opponent that's off a win and a perfect 5 and 0 to the spread in these games when they're on the road uh, not that they need added incentive here, but it's a trend that would come to support New Orleans in the football game. We talked about oftentimes in the past Mike Zimmer being just absolutely terrific in his career with the Vikings in non-division football games. He is. He's 36-11-2 to the spread in these games. But we will call this out that when he's taken on a greater than 750 non-division opponent, He's only two and six straight up in those football games. So he's been benefactor of taking on weaker non-division opponents than he has and he will be this Sunday when he takes on the New Orleans Saints. On the flip side here, you've got two quarterbacks here that I think where the difference in the game lies. Number one, Kirk Cousins for the Minnesota Vikings in his career against good quality opponents when he's taken on an opponent. That is better than 750 on the season here. He's just four and nine against the spread in those football games. The bigger, the bigger and the better they are, the less likelihood of Kirk Cousins cashing a ticket happens to be in football games like this. In fact, in those same games, when his teams are coming off double-digit wins, he's 0-4 against the spread against these good guys. The other side of the coin, Drew Brees comes in here, and this is a stat we used in the newsletter. We called it out last week. I'm going to call it out again in this game here. Drew Brees in his career has been outstanding in the month of October in non-division football games. He's 34-11 and 11 to the spread in these games, including 15-1 and 1 in non-division October games when taking on an opponent off a win. I'm going to diss the value and back the motivation in this game here. I'll play the New Orleans Saints at Pickham, or possibly if this goes back to Minnesota 1, obviously we'll grab the point here, but I'll play on the New Orleans Saints to get their revenge in this football game that's been circled in lipstick since that loss last year. 
You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And with that, let's hop out to Las Vegas now for one of our favorite segments on the show as we join with our good friend Andy Isco from The Logical Approach in Las Vegas. Andy, how's everything going for you this 2018 football season to date? Well, Mark, to date, everything's been going very nicely. A nice balance of uh, uh, success in both the colleges and the pros, which is kind of nice. Some years, as I'm sure you know, you do really well in one of those two areas and just sort of 50-50 in the other. This year, it's been pretty good in both having a good read. And it's hard to believe that uh, after this week, we will be one week away from the midseason point. 107 games have already been played this weekend with another 14. We'll bring it up to 121. So we will hit the mid week the midpoint of the season next week seems like we were just all getting together in las vegas over the summer and talking about gee it'll be great in another few weeks when the season starts <laughs> well it has started andy <laughs> i can't believe as you say how fast it's flown by Vic and i were talking and we hit on that at the beginning of the segment of this of this show as well this week and that we're going to be blinking and next week we're going to be talking about the midway point of the national football league season and next week we're going to be in november of the college football season here my goodness the month of november comes rolling around and then all of a sudden it's all bowl talk and teams with aspirations to make college football bowl games and that sort of incentive so forth and whatnot but it is flying fast there's no question about that and uh, also Andy here what I want to run by our listeners out there is your great newsletter publication it's the logical approach it's his football newsletter you can get at thelogicalapproach.com and Andy in this week's newsletter you hit on what is happening so far in the National Football League a good thing uh, we're talking about home dogs in the NFL and not the success they've been meeting with so far this football season but as you mentioned in the newsletter, Andy, is it fact or is it a myth? Is it just for the moment or is it something that we can bank on? Because as you outlined in your newsletter here, it was, it's was it been three successive years in a row that home dogs in the NFL have been below 50%, the 50 percentile. And then you take a look and you go back in, in your standings and you look back in the years and you find only like 2006, 2002, and 1996 were good positive winning years for NFL home dogs. So the question I'm going to lay on you, Andy, is NFL home dogs are winning now. Can we count on it moving forward, or is it just a time of the matter for the time being situation? Well, Mark, it's really hard to uh, to speculate on that because, well, let me, let me start off by saying that the, the headline that I used to introduce the article this week, NFL home dogs, an endangered species, question, or maybe just maybe a myth. Again, question. And because the thought has been, and it's been true over many years, that home underdogs have been the way to go, yet my analysis shows that uh, home underdogs over the last decade and a half have not only been not profitable, they've been unprofitable. Now, whether that is a result of better lines making, whether it's a result of more parity in the league, that you don't have as many dominant teams at either end of the spectrum, dominant teams and teams that have been dominated, I think it all comes together with the additional knowledge that we have, the fact that we understand there's more player movement, say, over the past 20 years with the advent of free agency so that teams do not have as similar a look from season to season these days as they did 25, 30, 35 uh, years ago. The fact that home underdogs have not performed well uh, or as well as most people think is a negative. On the other hand, when you break down the four basic categories of home favorite, home underdog, road favorite, and road underdog, 
home underdogs have still been the best performing category, even though overall it's produced an overall loss. That loss is very, very slight compared to blindly having backed home favorites, road favorites, or uh, road underdogs. An observation of what's going on in the National Football League as far as home underdogs are concerned. A great read by Andy Isco in his weekly newsletter, The Logical Approach. Check it out online at thelogicalapproach.com if you would. You'll do yourself a service if you do just that. Andy, the Superbook contest in Las Vegas is moving forward as well this football season here. And, uh, you know, while it was a little bit of a rough week for yours truly in the contest last week, uh, how did everybody else fare overall? Was it a good week, bad week, or just, a, uh, a, a, I would say, an average week considering what's gone on so far this football season? Your updated standing, your take on what happened in the Super Contest last week. Yeah, interestingly, uh, the uh, consensus did fairly well. Uh, I was fortunate that to uh, bank my winners in the early games of the day because I then had Dallas and Baltimore in the afternoon. And, uh, of course, we all know what happened with the usually uh, reliable kicking game, certainly of Justin Tucker of the Ravens. And then, of course, the unfortunate situation in the Dallas game. But overall, the consensus was 3-1-1 one, and one last week. The uh, number one uh, selection by the uh, contest, excuse me, the contestants was four and one. I was looking at the, well, let me get the super contest gold out of the way. The consensus was three, one and one last week. That brings them to 16, 15 and four for the year to date in the super contest gold. That's the one with the $5,000 entry fee, winner take all, and a little bit more than 120 uh, participants in that one. Uh, the overall top selection in that contest was the Minnesota Vikings, uh, which was a, a winner against the uh, New York Jets. Second choice last week was another winner, the Detroit Lions. The Giants Monday night was the number three selection in that contest. That was a winner. The number four selection, the Tampa Bay Bucks, which even though it cost most folks at the betting windows, if you played it over the weekend, the contest line was three. So the contestants who played either side of their game against the Browns got a push. And the lone loser was the Baltimore Ravens laying two points, excuse me, laying two and a half points uh, to the New Orleans Saints in that aforementioned uh, Ravens uh, Saints game uh, with the uh, kicking issue at the end. And the leader in the contest for the Super Contest Gold has a record of 23-11-1. That works out to 23.5 of a possible 35 points, the way the contest is graded. Slightly over 67% winners, 67.1% winners. There are 27 contestants at 21 uh, points or better, which works out to 60% or more. Now, as far as the big contest goes, the one with the over 3,100 entries, the consensus was 4-1 and one last week. That brings the year-to-date results up to still a losing mark, but not quite as bad under 500 as it had been starting 12-18 and 18 prior to last week. It's now 16-19 and 19 against the spread by looking at just the five top consensus plays. And there was there a lot of similarities uh, between the uh, two contests. Uh, the Vikings, again, the number one selection in the uh, main Super Contest, the Super Contest Classic, as it is now being called to differentiate it from the Super Contest Gold. 1,192, more than a third of the field, laid the uh, three points with the Vikings against the Jets. Turned out to be a pretty easy winner. The number two selection, the New England Patriots, laying three 
at the Chicago Bears. That was a winner for the consensus. The third winner was the Kansas City Chiefs laying six points against the Cincinnati Bengals on the Sunday night game. The number four consensus selection was the Detroit Lions, another winner as they went down and laid two and a half and handily defeated the Miami Dolphins. And the lone loser, as was the case in the Super Contest Gold, the Baltimore Ravens laying the two and a half against the New Orleans Saints. So four and one for the consensus. If you had just looked at how the favorites had done in the contest thus far this year, and by favorites I mean the team uh, in each game uh, that was the more popular choice being the favorite team in the actual contest. 6-3-1 and one last week, so for the year 27-32-5, when the underdog in the contest was the most popular selection of the two teams. 2-2 two and two last week, 21-20 and one push, and the one pick'em game was a correct selection, uh, 1-0. For the year, overall in the 107 games, the consensus is 49 correct, 52 incorrect, and there have been surprisingly already six pushes, according to the contest lines, that have been uh, used. As far as the standings go, the one contestant uh, in the lead has a record of 27 7 and one. That's 27 and a half out of a possible 35 points or 78.6% on a very nice pace as we approach the halfway point of the season. And by the way, the leader at the end of week number eight gets a $15,000 bonus from the Westgate uh, Superbook as far as the uh, what they will consider the midway point of the contest, the, half, the halfway leader. Uh, that 27-7-1 record is good for a uh, one-half point lead over the second-place contestants. There are actually two of them tied at 27, three at 26 and a half, and so on down to a total of 118 contestants at 23 out of a possible 35 points or more. That uh, would be enough to get you cashing since they pay 100, the top 100 places and ties this year. So the 118 people who are hitting 23 points or more are hitting at a rate of 65.7%. And that would be a record uh, if it were to maintain itself as far as what it took to cash in the contest. Usually within a point or a half point of what would be 60% has been good enough to cash. And previously they paid for the last few years, the top 50. With 3,100 entrants this year, it looks as though, at least right now, they are on a pace that you may need 62 to 63% to finish in that uh, top 100. But there's a lot of football to be played and a lot of balances that may or may not go our way. To run down on what's been going on in the contest in Las Vegas from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Sounds like a pretty good year overall. These big numbers for these leaders here as we're pretty much customarily accepting or seeing here of late, but I'm going to expect those to diminish and water down by season's end just for no other reason because of the exposure factor. Uh, Andy, also, before I hand it over to Victor, and I know he's got a question on the show he wanted to run by you, uh, the lines that Jay Cornegay sent out last week from the Superbook in Las Vegas here, I noticed there was a couple of lines that were noteworthy here, uh, one of them to start with, and I'll let you run, take the ball and run with it afterwards, the Eagles-Jacksonville Jaguars game in London, England. They opened this game as a pick uh, before last week's action occurred. And the Philadelphia Eagles struggling as they are. There's been uh, – and the Jacksonville Jaguars struggling as they are. And there's been a line movement in this game. And the question I'm going to run by you is uh, what has the line movement in this game been factored more by? Uh, the lack of success by the Jacksonville Jaguars or uh, the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are still a popular Super Bowl team? Well, before getting to that, Mark, I just did want to uh, 
not neglect uh, the Golden Nugget Contest, which uh, also has been uh, uh, widely followed this year. That's the one involving seven selections per week. Uh, the uh, Golden Nugget Contest involves college sides and NFL sides. The leader in the contest, 35-13-1, has a total of 35.5 out of 49 uh, possible points. That's 72.5% to lead that contest. Not surprising considering the fact that you are able to play college football and because there are so many more games, 55 games on the board roughly each week, uh, you have a lot more to choose from as far as narrowing down your top selections. Uh, that is good enough for a one-game advantage over two contestants or a one-point advantage over two contestants. Overall, 28 of the slightly more than 300 contestants have 31 out of a possible uh, the uh, 49 points, that's 63.3%. Uh, this contest pays the top 20. In reality, the top 10 are the ones who are going to make the money because if you finish 11th through 20th, you get your entry fee back. So you've, got, you've had a free roll and still it would have done very nicely. Now, as to your question about the line moves and specifically the Philadelphia-Jacksonville game, this game is being played in London. The Jaguars and Eagles were a pick 'em when these lines came out uh, last Tuesday, uh, which was uh, five days before Sunday's games. As you point out, the Philadelphia Eagles did open up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite when the adjusted lines came out Sunday night. It's since been bet up to the Eagles three, and I think it's a number of factors. Number one last week was the third straight poor game played by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Their defense, especially of a concern, not quite as bad last week as it had been in the two previous weeks against Kansas City and Dallas, but still a major concern. The lifting of Blake Bortles, the quarterback, the much maligned and often correctly much maligned quarterback for the Jaguars. He has been named the starter for this game in London. And the fact that Philadelphia, well, they just had a meltdown in the fourth quarter. They were leading Carolina 17-0, gave up 21 fourth quarter points. So the Eagles struggling a little bit, but not nearly in as dire straits as the Jacksonville Jaguars, who... Of course, after two bad games, were expected returning home to play a good game. They did not do so. So I understand the line, the line adjustment, and then the further movement up to three. I suppose I'm a little bit curious as to why the line did not open at three. Perhaps the fact that three points on a neutral site might draw more action towards Jacksonville than perhaps the Westgate would have liked is why they opened at two and a half. And maybe it's taking a position on the Jaguars this week, knowing that two and a half is more likely to go to three than it is to go down to two. Other key line moves of the week uh, that are worth noting, the Chicago Bears host the New York Jets. The Bears in a game effort against the New England Patriots last week. The Jets basically outplayed by the Minnesota Vikings. A week ago, the Chicago Bears could be bet at minus five against the Jets. That's sort of that nowhere's man land as far as will it go down towards three, will it go up towards seven? Well, when the line came out, the slight adjustment was made on Sunday afternoon. The Bears opened as six-point home favorites against the Jets. That line has subsequently been bet up to a seven-point home favorite of the Bears. A little flip-flop, a minor flip-flop of uh, favorites in the game between Washington and the Giants. Uh, the uh, Washington, of course, somewhat fortunate to hold on to win, although they uh, did uh, control that game against Dallas. Uh, meanwhile, the Giants looking ugly in another loss on uh, on a Monday night. And, of course, they uh, are starting to uh, concede the season with a couple of trades that they've made midweek uh, this week, unloading some, some key players. Giants were one-point home favorites uh, last week at this time. 
when the uh, action settled on uh, Sunday and then into Monday, the Washington Redskins actually were one-point favorites on Sunday. No adjustment was made after the Monday night games. And when the game came back up on the boards on Tuesday morning, the Redskins still one-point road favorites. Baltimore at Carolina. We mentioned a little bit about each of those games uh, briefly. Ravens losing late on a missed extra point that could have forced overtime uh, against the Saints. Uh, Carolina uh, in their contest uh, last week uh, coming back seven, with 21 fourth quarter points to overcome a 17-0 deficit. This game also opened as a pick last week, and when the Lions came out on Sunday evening after taking into consideration the performance of both teams, the line opened again as pick and the early money quickly pushed the Baltimore Ravens up to one-and-a-half point road favorites. The uh, Sunday night game, New Orleans and Minnesota last week, Minnesota was a three-point home favorite, even money, meaning that if you took the plus three with New Orleans, you had a lay minus 120. The results of last week with New Orleans winning uh, in come-from-behind fashion at Baltimore, Minnesota with a workmanlike performance at the Jets. The line opened with the Vikings, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, so a very slight adjustment downwards, perhaps recognizing maybe a little bit more impressive uh, win by New Orleans doing so on the road against a quality team as opposed to the Minnesota Vikings on the road against a somewhat neutral team. We don't know quite yet about the Jets. Not as bad as expected, but not good enough likely to contend for the playoffs. But that move, uh, that, that opening of Minnesota 2.5 has not lasted very long as the game was very quickly down, bet down to pick them in many spots. In some places you can find uh, the Minnesota Vikings a one-point home favorite. In some places you can find the New Orleans Saints a one-point road favorite. More likely you're going to find the game at Pickham and Minnesota 1. And finally, the Monday night game, a rare double-digit road favorite. We haven't seen many of those over the years. The New England Patriots taking on the Buffalo Bills. Patriots uh, go into Chicago, take care of business. Buffalo totally anemic on offense as they've been much of the season. This game last week was available. The New England Patriots still a double-digit road favorite when the line came up a week ago, but only 10.5. The adjusted line on Sunday evening after both Patriots and Bills had played earlier that day up to a 13-point favorite, and we've already seen a line move New England now, a solid 14-point road favorite for their Monday night contest in Buffalo. An overview of the lines and the way they've moved in Las Vegas at the Westgate Superbook from last week to this from our good friend Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And, Victor, I know you got a question you want to ask Andy on the show this week as well. Right. I want to get an Andy's impression on uh, my theory that I believe it was probably one of the better weeks, maybe even the best week of the season for sports books in terms of NFL results, not necessarily from a dog-favorite perspective as those games finished right down the middle. I believe underdogs went 7-7 seven and seven against the spread over the weekend in the NFL. But the fact that it was such a great week for unders. In fact, I wrote about it in the tip sheet. It was a bad beat nightmare for overbetters last week. Numerous games in which the player bet the over. They ended up losing by three points or less. Unders ended up going 10-4 and four overall. The fact that the Sunday night game went under, the Monday night game went under, I'd have to say that was a good weekend for the sports books. 
I, I would tend to agree with you, Victor. Uh, the one uh, the one exception that you might have there is the fact that uh, some of the uh, dominant teams continue to cover, even though their games did not go over this week. Kansas City, uh, seven straight winners they've provided to their backers in starting off 6-1 and one straight up. And the uh, Los Angeles Rams, a very popular play going down to San Francisco. Uh, that game surprisingly stayed under the total, uh, despite it needing just a field goal over the final 11 minutes or so to go over. So, yes, I think in terms of the fact that you had a lot of these big favorites uh, who did who were in games that stayed under rather than went over probably helped the books considerably when you look at it from a parlay point of view. When you look at it from a straight bet point of view, I think the books, because they normally take more action on side wagers than they do total wagers, and the public has become a lot more uh, sharp as far as playing certain underdogs as well. Overall, uh, the books, I, and I didn't get the, the final numbers in, I believe they had a pretty good week. Much of that was aided by the fact that, as you point out, a lot of the games did stay under, albeit by very short amounts, meaning that a lot of teasers who had those overs cashed because a lot of those, uh, a number of those unders uh, did not uh, stay under by, uh, by very much. But to your point, uh, a better week than could have been uh, had uh, that Cincinnati game gone over, uh, had that Ram game gone over, because both Kansas City and the Rams have been popular, and yeah, certainly in the case of the Chiefs, uh, cashing tickets all season. We've been visiting with Andy Esco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas on this segment here of our Vegas Vibe. And Andy, before we let you head off to the sports books in Las Vegas, I know our listeners out there would love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary pick on the show this week. Nice play last week at the New England Patriots, Seattle the week before. What caught your eye this week in the NFL on Sunday? Well, I'm going to go with uh, another road team in basically a pick em game, and it's the game between Washington and the New York Giants. I just mentioned in talking about the line move in that game from the Giants minus one to Washington minus one. Not really a major line move because in a ba- pick em game, you're basically looking to uh, to pick the straight-up winner. Of course, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and New Orleans Saints uh, last week, they played a one-point game, and there are a number of one-point games. Not quite a key number as uh, as it is in college football and certainly as other key numbers are, but I mentioned that the Giants are starting to basically punt on the season. Eli Apple traded away. Snacks Harrison traded away. Rumors that other Giants may be traded away as at one in six, the Giants are basically conceding that this season is over and they're going to be looking to stockpile draft choices. We may be starting to see in the NFL uh, what we've seen in the NBA in recent years, and that's teams basically tank on the season uh, almost before or at the midpoint of the season. We're seeing the Oakland Raiders pretty much do that with their trade of Amari Cooper uh, within the last few days to the Dallas Cowboys for a number Number one draft pick. Meanwhile, the Washington Redskins, with that win over Dallas uh, this past Sunday, have seized control of the NFC East. Uh, they are uh, at, at four and two with a uh, a nice. Uh, uh, schedule coming up for them as far as being able to build upon that lead starting with this game at uh, the Giants Philadelphia struggling at three and four uh, Dallas also a team that uh, uh, has not been performing up to the levels expected of them that was a key loss for them uh, last week uh, as well uh, Washington playing very well as Alex Smith gets much more comfortable with uh, directing the Redskin offense than he showed perhaps back at the start of September and uh, the Washington defense has played surprisingly well 
pretty consistent throughout the course of the season, notwithstanding that effort a few Monday nights ago in New Orleans where almost any defense is going to be uh, picked apart by Drew Brees and the Saints. So I'm going to look for the Washington Redskins who are playing positive football right now against the Giants who are basically not playing and haven't been playing good football. And now management is basically sending the players a signal, hey, we're giving up on this season. We're starting to plan for next year. And that can't create a very good situation in the locker room as the Giants continue to find ways to uh, lose games and suffer from some very questionable coaching decisions as well. Sounds like the New York Giants are looking forward to their bye week next week so they can try and get their act together if they do decide to do just that this football season here. That trade of Eli Apple, perhaps not surprising, being the cancer that he was supposed to have been in that locker room. We'll see whether or not he benefits the New Orleans Saints in that trade. But nonetheless, Andy Isco on the Washington Redskins this week against the struggling New York Giants for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, I want to thank you once again for a great job on the show this week and wish you the very best of luck. We'll catch you the next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark, Victor, I wish you both uh, the best of success and a very enjoyable weekend. Thank you, Andy. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to put the final reps on the show. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays when we're back with more for the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed that's mybookie.a as an apple and g as in games tell them mark lawrence sent you only the biggest only the best only at mybookie.ag sign up today and now the moment you've been waiting for from the hot south florida sun it's mark lawrence with his awesome angle of the week all right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week. We call it our 777 special. And what we're looking to do in college football is to plan any 800 or greater conference team that has allowed seven or fewer points in each of his last three games in a row. If they're facing a sub 875 opponent who allows more than 15 points a game. You take these guys that are playing super defense, allowing seven or less points three games in a row in conference games, put them up against these non-super teams that are a win percentage of less than 875. We've gone 24-3-1. and 24-3-1 against the spread with these plays since 19, or that's an 89% win percentage since 1980, I should say. Our play this week will be on Fresno State, laying up chock full of points, but Fresno State is our play on the football card this week when they take on San Jose State in college football. Make Fresno State our 777 special. Awesome angle play on Saturday's football card. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap this weekend, right on the heels of his big five star college football overplay winner last week in the Ohio State Purdue game. Victor, if you would, your complimentary play. And let our listeners know what's cooking at King Creole Sports this weekend. 
It looks like we're switching gears this week, which I like. You got that big five-star college game going for your Mark Lawrence service on Saturday. And for us, we've got a five-star over of the month in the NFL. We've only released two five-star plays this season. In September, the five-star NFL game in the month was on Cincinnati and Atlanta over the total. That was a winner. And, of course, we got lucky last week, but uh, you just mentioned it. We did hit the five-star over of the month in college football with Purdue doing all the heavy lifting and scoring 49 points against Ohio State in that particular game. Again, this week in the NFL, it's the pro football version, five-star over of the month. We're going over the total in one of Sunday's games. And for our free play this week, we're going to the totals tip sheet, and I'm also going to an insightful tweet that somebody has sent out to me yesterday And we're going under the total in the 49ers-Cardinals game. It's a late afternoon kickoff out there in Arizona. It opened 43.5. It's down to 43. The line's already going down. Make sure you get your play in. At the very, very least, make sure your line is 41.5 or higher. I played it instantly at 43.5, anticipating a line move downward, and it's going in that direction. Again, somebody tweeted this out to me yesterday. The Arizona Cardinals offense is Miami. In seven games this season, they have not gained more than 268 yards in a game while scoring 17 or fewer points in six of those contests. Dating back to last season, the Cardinals have now gone 11 straight games without cracking 300 or more yards on offense. A great, great tweet. And somebody sent it out. Oh, wait a minute. That was Mark Lawrence who sent that out to me. Nice tweet. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Now, the Cardinals are one of the best home under teams in all of football. In the last three-plus seasons, they've gone 6-18 and at home. That's six overs, 18 unders. This San Francisco-Arizona series has averaged only 38 combined points per game in the last four meetings. We know what happened to the Cardinals last week. A crushing Home loss to Denver on Thursday night football. Out of the database, here you go. 0 and 11 over under last 10 years. NFL home teams who just lost at home the previous week by 30 or more points. That applies to the Cardinals this particular week. You know, from a win loss perspective, these two teams are amongst the worst in the league. Both are one and six straight up. That's a 143 winning percentage. And that uh, you know crappy team versus crappy team matchup actually sets up a pretty strong under pattern. 3-13 and 13 over under since 2011. Game 7 or greater, games in the NFL when both teams are 250 or worse on the season and the over-under line is 49 or less points. That applies to this game as well. Finally, uh, the Niners next week got a big... Bay Area Thursday battle against the Oakland Raiders. That should be a fun game, but it also sets this up from the database. One in 10 over under last three years. NFL division teams before playing a Thursday home game. That applies to the Niners. Again, the line's already going down. Get your plane at at least 41 and a half or higher. We're going under the total 49ers and Cardinals. And don't forget, we got a big five-star in the NFL. It'll be already up at the Playbook.com website sometime on Wednesday night. 
Victor, a big five-star total play going again this weekend in the National Football League. He goes under the total in the San Francisco-Arizona game for his complimentary play on the show this week. Before I get to my complimentary play, I want to remind our listeners about the Playbook Tokens, which are really catching fancy with everybody who's visiting Playbook.com these days. At Playbook Tokens, when you buy Playbook Tokens, you get 20% extra added tokens added into your account on the spot to use as you choose. Check it out now. Get $100 in free Playbook tokens. Simply log on at playbook.com and click on the Get Tokens link to get your $100 in free Playbook tokens in time for the games and the newsletters this weekend. And just a quick note that I'll also, as Victor mentioned here, my five-star college football game of the month will kick off on Saturday. We've cashed five straight big game plays in a row on going on Saturdays and Sundays heading into this weekend, and it couldn't come in a better time our five-star college football game of the month on the heels of that big Purdue upset win, our underdog game of the month last week. You can get it all online at playbook.com, part of another $99 football weekend of winners, or you can call my office toll-free to get on board for the big five-star college football game of the month Saturday at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the college football card this week. This play comes directly from our midweek alert football newsletter here. And our midweek alert newsletter is all about statistics, guys, and using stats to your advantage, finding strengths against weaknesses. That's what we do in the midweek. And we've got a game here that sticks out on the card this week. I think head and shoulders as good as any game so far we've seen this season here. It's the Army when they take on Eastern Michigan in a big non-conference football matchup on Saturday. When I talk about strengths against weaknesses, you're talking about an Army football team here that ranks number five in the country in running the football, rushing the football. Uh, They've also held four opponents to season-low or second-low yards this year, has Army here, playing some really good football, the best of all the military teams thus far this football season here. I should say number two in the country running the ball. They run it for 318 yards a game. They're going to go up against an Eastern Michigan rush defense that is ranks number 111 in rush defense. They cough it up 216 yards a game. So that's going to give Army all of what they want to do and more in this football game. And when you couple that with the team that's playing some good defense on top of it, then you also throw in the fact that you're talking about a team here in uh, – Army, who when they've taken on MAC opponents, or I should say military teams have taken on MAC opponents, and they have a 700 or greater record, as does Army here. They're 213 and 43 straight up in line games against MAC opponents here, and they're the underdog in this contest. I'm going to grab the points with Army over Eastern Michigan for my complimentary play on the football show this weekend. And with that, it's going to put the final wraps in this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports and our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com for a great job, as always, on the show this week. And for our good friend Jack Reynolds, who we know is listening from above. Until next week, once again, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.